Troy Galloway is a construction manager and consultant, commercial and residential builder, and a certified inspector for all commercial and residential buildings. And now, here is About the House with Troy Galloway. Hello, folks. Welcome back to About the House. We have a fabulous show today, but hey, let me share a little bit about who we are. This is Troy Galloway, your humble host. And actually, most of you have been listening to us for the last few years. But actually, so we are a, a building engineering company. We do building inspections. We also do uh, com- a lot of commercial buildings and homes, uh, construction consulting. We do a lot of expert witnessing for uh, construction issues. So if you ever need any issues or any of that, just give us a call. But I won't want to really spend too much time on me because so many of us already know who I am over the years of doing this. Uh, but I've I got I got a guest on here, folks. I've been trying. To, I've been talking about this. I've been having people ask me about this. I remember even talking to other architects and and engineers that had no idea what it was as we was trying to do was, and that is with lighting. And I have a lighting specialist with us. And uh, Doug, Doug is going to introduce himself. He's going to tell. He's been in several major publications. Uh, he's uh, well known around the country, and we are very fortunate to have him here with us today. And Doug, please introduce yourself. Uh, uh, I, I'm afraid I might just embarrass you and, and say too much of the right thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Troy. Uh, I'm happy to be with you today. I'm Doug Walter, uh, an architect in Denver, Colorado. Uh, I'm not a full-time lighting designer, but it is a uh, a passion of mine, and I, I've taught courses on it for past eight years. I've written about 15 articles um, because it's terribly important. All, any designer, uh, their work can rise or fall based on how well the, the space is lit. And most houses, uh, even ones done by very good designers, are very poorly lit and uh, – but there's some simple fixes, and I'd like to share those with you today. Oh, that's awesome! I I, I look forward to that. And uh, so, because lighting happens to be, seems like, oh, I, okay. I'm just going to switch a little bit here. I just watched a wonderful documentary, and it was actually on Notre Dame and uh, or the the Cathedral of Notre Dame, and they was talking about how the lighting and how it affected it, uh, the ambiance of the place, and how it literally. Uh, from natural lighting and such, how it literally made you feel different and made you feel like, uh, well, they, 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 of course, it's a cathedral, but they were saying how it literally made them feel um, empowered, enlightened. So lighting is really much, it's, we're kind of ignorant to it. So this is awesome. So I'm going to let you jump right in. and, And mainly, I mean, the cathedrals were lit primarily through daylight, through the stained glass windows, and they were very deliberately designed to lift and inspire. Um, What's really interesting is some of these uh, wonderful old uh, churches and cathedrals we have are are being lit by professional lighting uh, designers today and bringing out facets that people never saw because they were were up in the shadows uh, uh, on the ceiling. But now with LEDs and things like that, we're able to highlight all sorts of architectural features. But I, I really don't want to talk about cathedrals. I want no, to talk no, about right. Me too, lighting homes. That's where we're at. Right. Well, and I just was using that as an example of just how long that concept has been around. So absolutely. Right. I mean, and we're not right. building any more cathedrals. We're rebuilding them. <laughs> but anyway, let's yeah. jump in there, Doug. Show all right. Us, uh, uh, do you mind if I share uh, uh, some some slides with you? 
Please do. Lighting lessons learned. Uh, a colleague of mine in Portland, Robin Rigsby Fisher, uh, says that lighting is the most important part of a kitchen design. Uh, it's uh, and it's not just the kitchen, but the kitchen is the most critical lighting uh, environment in the house. Uh, and we, we we talk a lot about how much light, the quantity of light, but equally important is the quality of light. And that is measured by two metrics. One is the color temperature, and that runs from 1,000 to 10,000. 10,000 is like a, a very bright um, daylight, and 1,000 is like candlelight. Um, most of uh, my projects I, we do in around a 3,000 Kelvin color temperature. That's a very pleasant. But then there's another metric that's equally important, and that's the color rendering index, or CRI. Um, the higher the CRI, the better the color rendering. You can see this graphically on this chart. Um, fortunately, uh, more and more bulbs are coming out at 90 CRI. Uh, California has mandated that under Title 24. So the industry has kind of uh, come along. Used to be 70 or 80 was kind of average, but now we're seeing a lot more 90 plus. So we need to pay attention not only to the quantity of light, which is measured by lumens, lumen output, but also by the CRI and the CCT, the co correlated color temperature. That's uh, that's interesting. I did not know that. Well, I, I mean, I don't blame people being for confused. This is just one section of a long aisle at Home Depot. And, uh, you know, there's every kind of bulb. They still are even selling fluorescents, which are an obsolete technology. Um, they're still selling halogens. Um, but most uh, most bulbs that you want to buy are going to be LED. I'll tell you that right now. And the, the trouble, I think, with most home lighting is people don't understand uh, what bulbs do. They think if I just put in a standard uh, Edison A lamp into a can, that's that's good enough. But no, you need specific uh, lamps or bulbs uh, to get the effect you want. Hmm. So good. Yeah, and LEDs, that's kind of, that's, that's a fairly new bulb. It's, uh, a lot of folks are just now, at least in the Midwest, are just now starting to catch up with. Yeah, uh, they really started coming uh, online commercially in, in a big way about 2012, um, but they, they are strong in the market. That's pretty much the only game in town. Uh, this was part of an article I wrote on the uh, LEDs and starting with the traditional halog halogen or incandescent A-lamp, those terrible CFLs that we all remember. Oh, yeah. Then something called the reflector lamp, which I have pictured on that uh, left slide that bulge it's br stands or r stands for bulge reflector um and then something my favorite lamp of all is called a par uh, uh it stands for parabolic aluminized reflector because it's a more directed light um and you can see on that chart on the right of the difference between a wide flood a very wide flood uh, and typically, I don't even do floods. I try to do narrow floods. It's my favorite bulb is a narrow flood because part of comfort with lighting is not experiencing glare. And if it's a widespread 
um, beam, you're going to be standing across the, the room getting light into your eyes. So the tighter the beam, um, the better, because we want the light to come down and not out for the most part. That makes sense. I never thought of that. That's awesome. Yeah. So so beam spread is something you need to pay attention to. Um, uh, and, and it used to be, you know, when we, we only had incandescence or uh, even fluorescence, we, we thought about lights in terms of watts. And then watts became irrelevant because LEDs basically are five times as efficient as a, as an incandescent bulb. And so the, uh, the government wants you to think about lumens, lumen output. But uh, uh, most of us in the industry really don't pay attention too much to lumens. What we really care about are delivered foot candles. And that's a measurement of light at the surface you're trying to light. Right. It, it's a very simple metric. Uh, it's very easy to, to measure. Now, I'll show you how. Oh, great. Great. Uh, so most good lights and bulbs have photometric charts that you can find, you can look up. And that tells you uh, how much light, how many foot candles it's going to put down um, based on how far you are away from the, the bulb itself or the fixture. And so you can see in this chart on the right, uh, at five and a half feet, uh, I've got 147 foot candles, uh, and that's directly under the light in the center. Um, the width of the the beam spread is 2.2 feet for this particular fixture. And, and that helps you when you're planning your lighting layout because you want to space them uh, about that far apart. You don't want to space them too much further. Otherwise, you'll have light and dark spots. Um, so this is a way you can predict the performance of the light before you go installing it. Does that make sense? It does makes a ton of sense. And uh, I'm thinking of interior decorators and how often that they don't, they, they're guessing at this. So this chart would be a great help for them. That, that is a, a big, big point that you brought up, Troy. Most designers uh, are guessing. They're just saying, yeah, that looks good. I think that's enough. But unless you're measuring it, you're just guessing. Mm -hmm. Um. So I, I just want to introduce a few uh, words, a few definitions here. Uh, lumens is the light output at the fixture, but foot candles is the light on the surface, whether that surface is a couch or a kitchen countertop or a bathroom vanity. We already talked about the CRI, the color rendering index, and uh, the higher the better. And we talked about color temperature because that has a very, you get a very different effect from a 2700 Kelvin bulb, which is a very warm, uh, relaxing uh, color uh, versus a 5000, which is almost uh, blue. It's, it's almost daylight. Mm -hmm. And then beam spread, we, I showed you the, the chart of that. And then lamp type, um, of course, is the, the shape and the, and the beam spread and things. Uh, Cost is kind of uh, irrelevant anymore. Uh, even back in 2015, I did an article comparing LEDs and halogens. And at the time, LEDs were like $25 a piece and the halogens were $2 in some sense. Um, but even with that cost differential, they paid for themselves in like 10 months mm -hmm. uh, in energy savings. 
and not and, and then not only energy savings it's over the lifespan of of the bulb uh the halogens you be replacing at least uh, once every two years whereas the leds are rated for a minimum of 22 years so a lot less uh, capital costs for for bulbs talking about longevity i literally have put some lights underneath my house of my uh, have a home on the river and uh, so mm-hmm. i keep it lit 24 7 Oh, do you? And, and them light bulbs have literally been on for over five years, 24 seven. Are they fluorescent or LED? LED. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm what, yeah, bragging about what, so what you're saying, you know, it's absolutely, it's worked for well, us. Well, I'm, I'm anxious to, to check with you in five years from now and see how they're doing. Me too, because I'm not turning them off until they burn Good out. And, uh, Good for you. And, uh, uh, and, but that's, that really was, but we was, well, we'll talk about that on another show. But anyway, that's great information right there. Thank you. Yeah, and and some some LEDs, particularly if you're buying a, a, a fixture with the LED built in, have a lifespan of 50 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and so this is something that, that I like to do when I'm doing projects for seniors. I make sure we change out all their lights to LEDs because mm-hmm. I don't want them up on ladders. We don't want to go up there either. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go up there either. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Um, so here's an interesting topic. When I present this uh, information to kitchen designers or interior designers, um, they say, oh, you're, you're going to get, if you put the lights too close to the upper cabinets, you're going to get scallops on the cabinets. Um, so this is just an illustration at a client's house um, where I, I had the client up on a ladder uh, uh, holding one of those awful LED disc lights that are so popular now. Uh-huh. You see it, see it on the left and see where all the light is? It's up in about the top two feet of the, the upper cabinet. Almost nothing is reaching the, the counter. So it, it may have a high lumen output, but the lumens um, are just wasted. Um, now, a typical 40-degree flood, you, you can see, is spreading light down across the face of the upper cabinet, but a pretty decent illumination at the counter. And then I go down to a spot, which is a 25-degree light, and you can see how much more light is coming uh, to the countertop. And then you see the the scalloping on the upper cabinet is much lower than the one on the left. Mm-hmm. It's quite a bit of difference. Yeah, so it's quite a different, and obviously you're you're casting shadow under the upper cabinets, but that's why you need uh, under cabinet lighting as well to fill in that the back of that countertop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. That's good to know. So so this is why um, this is why you need good lighting in a kitchen. It's it's the only room that you're really doing uh, some very critical tasks with sharp objects and. Uh, you know, you want to be safe, mm-hmm. and you can't be safe unless you can see what you're doing. Especially when you get older. <laughs> that That's a good intro, Troy. Um, there we go. There we go. There we go. Wonder what he's making. I don't know, but it looks good. So so let me, let me just illustrate what we've been talking about. I think that makes it a little bit easier to understand. Okay. Um, so this one... Uh, it, it, the, the lights were in the right place, but they used the wrong bulb. So here, here is the mm. original kitchen on the left. It's a bungalow kitchen. It had one single light in the center of the room. And 
I don't know if you'll believe it, but the current IRC only requires one light in a kitchen. That's right. So if, if you're doing things to code, that's woefully inadequate. They had added some fluorescent under cabinets. Um, we came in with a lighting plan you see on the lower right there where I have some can lights that are well uh, uh, centered on a countertop. Uh, we kept the overhead light as just a separately switched ambient light. So the, the project was done. I went over about two months later, and the picture on the left is what I saw. Uh, it was a very wow. unpleasant, glary light. Uh, I was standing in the dining room getting glare. Uh, you know, So something was very wrong there, and I, I pulled out a bulb. And sure enough, the electrician had cheaped out and bought some BR bulbs. Those bulge reflector bulbs are so popular and so uh, cheap. Uh-huh. And I, I measured the foot candles on the countertop with my phone, which you see there on the to the left of the cutting board, and was putting down fifteen point four foot candles. Now is that so an app out, that you got on your phone? Yeah, and I'll, I'll show you the app. Okay, um, okay. Uh, you can put them on a, a any smartphone. Uh, most of them are free too, so that's great. Um, I went out to my car. I got a a par thirty narrow flood, uh, screwed it in, and uh, I got ten times the the light out of it. I got one hundred fifty eight foot candles. And not only did I get more light on the, the, the surface, it was a better quality light. You can see the greens are richer, the whites are whiter, uh, a much better uh, end result. So the client obviously went out and got himself some nice uh, narrow flood pars. Um, now, you might ask, you know, how much is 158 foot candles? Is that too much? It, it's really not too much because um, the very minimum that NKBA and Illuminating Engineering Society recommend are 50 foot candles, and that's for a young person. For seniors, they they want you to do double that, 100. And I, I I'll tell you from personal experience, most of my senior uh, clients are much happier above 100, like 125 to 150. It doesn't matter. You you have a dimmer on all your switches so that you can put it at whatever level you want. Um, because even different times of the day, you might have a different uh, requirement, less light or more light. Mm -hmm. First thing in the morning, you might not want to blast yourself. Yeah. Uh, now, what... It... Does this this foot candles this one fifty eight does does this a, like a blue light spectrum or does it does, does it make a difference or is, or, is, or is this part of any of that or is it just a regular spectrum no, light? No, the or? the uh, uh, the spectral power distribution of the bulb, you know, that's a separate chart, okay. and uh, each bulbs have uh, uh, kind of a different. Uh, 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 graph of, of of their spectral power distribution. As a matter of fact, that's a that's a part of an advanced course that we could uh, talk about, which is uh, human centric lighting or circadian lighting. Right. Uh, where certain manufacturers are manipulating uh, certain wavelength of the blue, and it's particularly around the 480 nanometer range, which happens to be the the, the range that stimulates uh, cortisol in the morning and that sets our circadian rhythm. Uh, so there, there are manufacturers who are deliberately messing with that to give you a certain effect. And ideally, and the way that, that the whole industry is going, I think, is that eventually uh, all fixtures and all bulbs will be able to come in an adjustable um, 
spectral power distribution where you might start out the morning at uh, at 3,000 and go up to 5,000 or 6,000 and then in the afternoon ramp it down to four and then back all the way down to 2,700 or 2,000 <clears throat> to get you ready for, for bedtime. Especially for um, us who live in areas where it gets darker for long periods of time, we're hunkered down and for the winter time. Well, you're Colorado. Yeah. You definitely know what I'm talking about there. Well, we, we have tremendous uh, sunlight. You know, uh, uh, we're very lucky that way. But it, it's very important. There's no light bulb made that has the same output in terms of the spectral power distribution as sunlight and daylight. And that's why it's important for people to get outside in the morning and take advantage of that. Get get some of that uh, uh, blue light on their retina. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I know we'll have to do another one on that. I'm sorry for sidetracking you. Uh, it's just no, one, that's quite right. It was actually I mean, one they, of the questions that was asked me to ask you when I was actually coming to the show today. <laughs> so yeah. So I I made I made my friend Don happy. So we're good. We move on. Okay. Well, the 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 problem we have is uh, is us. Uh, we all have very different vision. Um, over twelve percent of Americans have severe vision loss. That's that's a very large percentage. That's a lot. You know, I don't know, I don't know anybody who doesn't wear glasses. That's that's one, but then you know you, your eyes start to deteriorate as you get older, um, you know. And part of the reason we're seeing this is that life expectancy is so long compared to 100 years or 200 years ago. Oh, I love the girl smoking a cigarette off the hundred-year candle. That's a perfect. <laughs> that's a great picture. Oh, we're gonna hear some complaining about that one. <laughs> that's the secret to her longevity, apparently. Yeah, and probably a glass of wine. The, now the trouble with getting older among other things, is that the lenses get thicker and they get yellower. And these are actual uh, lenses from cadavers um, from a six-month-old to a 91-year-old. And you can see how the lenses um, start to yellow and then they even turn brown. And you can imagine what that does to the quantity of light that it's letting through. And compounding this is the lenses get thicker and the pupils get narrower the older you get. So really a whole bunch of things conspiring um, to make it harder for seniors to see. Uh, and this is, is not even uh, not even including things like uh, uh, glaucoma or cataracts or macular degeneration and diseases of the eye. This is just basic vision with someone who doesn't have any other eye disease. Now, the good news is, and this was a study done in England, uh, back in the 70s, you know, one statistic that you'll hear, and it's true, is that a uh, 60-year-old only sees about a third as well as a 20-year-old. But what they've shown is that they increase the level of illumination, they can bring that senior's uh, visual acuity almost equal to the young person's. It's uh, good to know. That's very good to know. I mean, this is this is very important. Now, you need to increase the the levels of light but you need to very much control glare. Remember we talked about how the, the bulge reflector bulbs put light out and too wide a, um, a beam spread and it, it can get in your eye. Ideally, the best lighting scheme, uh, you only see what's lit. You don't see the lights. 
You, you may see the aperture for the light, but you won't see the light bulb. Does that make sense? It does. Now that you said it, I never thought of that, but it does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so that's why, you know, when you see a chandelier in a dining room and that's the only light or something, and it's got no cover on it, it's just bare candelabra bulbs, and they've got it cranked way up so you can see the table, you're also getting tremendous amounts of glare in your eyes, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So ideally, we we would do that same chandelier, but we'd put shades on it, probably. We'd put it on a separate switch, and we would have dim, dimming ability on it. And then we would add some adjustable cans on either side of that chandelier shining down on the tabletop. And that way, I can make the tabletop, uh, all the silver and china and everything look great. Um, and then the, the chandelier is there more for ambience. Oh. And I'll show you... An, I'll show you an example of that in a little bit. Okay. So in terms of kitchens, um, both uh, NKBA and IES say that a recessed light should not be directly over your head or behind the head. And and this is this is common sense, but but believe it or not, they've been teaching it differently for the past three decades. Yeah, they have. So I I, I did some uh, field research, uh, continue to do that. I've got a lighting kit with all sorts of uh, can lights and bulbs. And this was one uh, we did at a client's house while we were remodeling, just trying out different bulbs at different distances from the countertop. And you can see the placement on that particular light is hitting basically at the top of her head and it's putting um, the light meter, which is right in front of her in, in shadow. Mm. Uh, so this is kind of the the latest thinking and and lighting layout and that's to put the cans anywhere from six to 12 inches in front of the face of the upper cabinets um and uh, space them uh, apart about the diameter of the beam so on that earlier uh fixture i showed you a photometric chart it had like a two foot beam i would put the cans two feet apart in this case the beam spread was about three feet oh that is great information so we talked about how to measure it. So if you want to be fancy, you can buy a light meter. This was a one I picked off of Amazon for twenty dollars. I've got three light meters. The first one I bought probably I don't know six seven years ago was uh, two hundred dollars. So they've come way way down in cost. But here's the good news: you don't even need to buy a light meter. You can buy uh, you can buy or, or put free light meter apps on your phone. Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you carry your phone with you every day. You don't carry your light meter every day. So nine times out of 10, when I'm measuring a, a, a job, it's with my light meter app. Uh, I use light meter companion and light meter pro because I have an Android. Uh, they work very well. And I've ca- I've calibrated against real light meters and, and they, they agree very nicely. Oh, so good. You, your, your camera is acting as a light meter. I love it. So there's no excuse for not being able to measure your the delivered delivered light on your project. Yeah, I, actually, you just took away all my excuses why my wife's complaining to me about something that she has, and and actually, it's not just her, but how in the kitchen what you've been talking about how poor lighting and and uh, I did it exactly as I was taught, and it's hard. Oh, and, 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 well, it's, and, and it's it's sad. It is sad, and and I've I've gone into even fairly recently done kitchens where the lighting was done wrong. And there's no easy fix for it. 
Um, I will show you, I have a couple more examples if we have time. I'd love to show you. Yeah, we got time. Yeah, please do, please do, please do. All right, so let's go to this case study. This was a a client who wrote to me. She lives in Maryland. Uh, I never have seen the house, but we just corresponded through email. And this was her kitchen. Very pretty looking kitchen, nice cherry cabinets, a granite countertop, um, three recess cans, three hanging lights, and then a funky little wavy uh, track over in the middle of nowhere. Um, and what she she asked me, she's, or she told me, that when she had to do uh, serious cooking, she would do all that cooking in the morning when the light came in through those windows, because at night she didn't have enough light. So I, I had her put a uh, light meter app on her phone and send me a sketch of her kitchen, which I turned into this CAD drawing. And where the X's are is where we measured the foot candles. So at the sink, she had 23 foot candles, which is okay. It's not great. Um, most of her counters were anywhere from 11 to 20 foot candles. Uh, there was one spot where it's 41 uh, but you can see where the cans are sitting. They're about three feet plus off the, the wall, so they're nowhere near the countertops. So if she's standing there uh, at the counter, she she would then block whatever light she was getting. Um, and so I asked her, you know, where do you have an, enough light to see? And she sent me this picture of her sewing setup. The sewing machine put out 55-foot candles, but she added a desk lamp and it brought the total up to 270 foot candles and you can see uh, I could tell from that that she really needed some help with her lighting mm-hmm. because this is what was comfortable for her so I did a lighting layout uh, did, did four of them this was the last one I sent her um, where the lights are all either on or right on the edge of the countertop except at the refrigerator and the oven where the, I'm washing the face of those appliances. I also added three cans at the sink um, to really give her some working light. It's on a separate circuit from the pendants, so the pendants could be turned on a little bit dimmer, and then she could get her actual working light uh, from the cans. Um, So fortunately, her brother is is an electrician who helped her, and he chose this fixture, which is a dedicated LED. In, In other words, the LED is built in. They were only three inches diameter, and uh, he, he went out on my suggestion and bought one, wired it up, and then tried it in the space to make sure it would work. But anyway, this is just the can lights. Uh, without under cabinet lights, we were getting, um, you know, 79 to 118 foot candles, which is great. Um, but then we added under cabinet lights, and we didn't just add one row of under cabinet lights. We did a double channel and put two rows of under cabinet lights, and now we have a, a range of 115 to 182 foot candles uh, on her uh, countertops, which is more than enough. And I asked her if she ran them full strength, and she said usually she dims them about 10%. Hmm. Well, and um, she has the ability to, when she, her eyes get older, she could even beef them up while she's already done. Well, exactly. Them. That's perfect. Exactly. So, so this is the after kitchen, and she was quite happy with that. Uh, yeah, I can see there's a huge difference on, if you're looking at the countertop like that. Yeah, I, the I'm countertop just, especially. And, and the, the cabinets look that much better because I'm washing the face of them with, with good light, good quality light. Mm-hmm. Looks very beautiful. So this was a, this was a fun one uh, I just did a few months ago. Um, 
this was a, a builder uh, home, uh, about 10 years old, I think. And this was the kitchen. It had a nice vaulted ceiling. Uh, it had basically three uh, six-inch cans with the BR-30 floods or BR-38. I'm not sure which. Um, but it was really kind of a murky uh, quality of light. Um, it, it, and then the, the breakfast room, which is adjacent to it, had one single hanging chandelier. So it was kind of um, a little bit dark. Um, so here's a new layout I did. Uh, we we changed the location uh, of the down lights in the kitchen. We did under cabinet lighting. We also did over cabinet lighting. And then in the uh, breakfast room, we kept uh, a chandelier, but we added uh, some spotlights on either side of it, like we had talked about on dining rooms to help light the tabletop. And then I added uh, five more cans around the room to help light the walls. And that's a very important thing. You don't want to just light the surface. You want to try to light the room, which usually means putting light on the walls and, and bouncing light off the walls. It, it makes a much more comfortable visual environment. Anyway, here's the uh, uh, proposed lighting scheme. This is the before and after side by side. Oh, wow. So That's the original uh, light levels on the countertops were 18 foot candles, and now they average 126. Wow. Yeah. And that's primarily the down lights. The under cabinet lights are helping, um, but the, the, the workhorses of the kitchen are those down lights. But notice we also added some LED tape on top of the cabinets to do some nice indirect lighting, which helped emphasize the height of the ceiling. And then to further emphasize it, we added that uh, faux beam up there. Mm. That, that, that really that really made a big difference. It's beautiful. Yeah, this and this was uh, the client. I, I just had a dinner with him a mm. couple of nights ago. He said the, the biggest bang for the buck he did in his whole remodel was changing lighting in the kitchen. I, I hear I'm watching these guys. We work with a lot of these homes, people doing home flipping. If they could only know or learn, or I'm going to be sending this video to them to show to them because if they knew how to do this, Look what they could do to selling their product and maybe even selling it at a higher price. But it, it really totally transformed this kitchen. It uh, uh, it looks like a brand new kitchen. It did. It, it I, I could just see that would, you know, I could see the bang or the bounce or the pop whenever they walk in and see this. I could see how come people walk away wanting to buy a house that had this kind of lighting. It, what's interesting, they told me the other night is that neighbors come in who have the same house and just you know, trying to figure out what they did that made it look so good. Or maybe you're going that direction with offices too. I'm thinking yes. of my office and how I complain about the lighting. And now I'm seeing that there's options and maybe things I could think about to help my own yeah, self. There are many, many options, uh, uh, Troy. Um, I'm going to talk about a few more of them, but this this is the same project. And this is that breakfast room and this is the plan uh, I did for relighting the breakfast room. Remember, it just had a chandelier over the table. Right. Um, and this is the before and this is the after. Oh, wow. And you got rid of them antlers too, huh? Got rid of the antlers. It's a little bit trite. Uh, yeah. Those weren't even real antlers. They're just uh, plastic uh, castings. Um, but you can see how lighting the walls just makes the room feel larger, uh, warmer. And obviously everything's on a dimmer so they can... Uh, in this case, they have three circuits of lighting. They have the 
the chandelier, they have the two lights over the table, which in this picture turned off. Then they have the uh, the wall washers. So another kind of lighting that's really effective, particularly for older eyes, because it's so comfortable, is indirect lighting. And, and you talk about an office lighting, that would be a really nice light for an office. Um, so here is a, a, a garage we turned into an ADU for a, a, a parents of a, a client, uh, made a nice living area on one floor with a, a loft that they can go to as well. Uh, and we, we use these faux beams overhead for the down lighting, and then we have under cabinet lighting, in cabinet lighting. But then on top of the beams, I've got some indirect up lighting. And again, everything's on separate circuits, so you can really play with the uh, uh, the lighting mood here. Wow, yeah. That was you would have never uh, known. And this is the, the view looking the other direction on the left. You can see how the nice quality of light just bouncing off that ceiling. When you have a tall ceiling, it's nice to emphasize it. Well, you're paying extra for it, you know, so you should. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing you're not paying for is, is daylight, and that's why I like to do a lot of skylights and windows mm -hmm. uh, to bring that in. Because uh, ideally, you shouldn't have to turn on a light in any room in the house during the day. Yeah. That's my goal. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, this is kind of a uh, very showy uh, before and after from a friend in Indianapolis, Adam Gibson. Uh, this is the same space, same view before and after. And not only did he do a ton of little, I think they're three inch down lights. He did all sorts of uh, uh, toe lighting on the toe kicks. He did uh, uh, lighting on the shelves. He did lighting on this floating uh, soffit over the uh, the big island. Really oh, kind of yeah. spectacular. Yeah. So you, you can go as far as you want or as far as your budget allows. Another place that indirect lighting is really good is for bedrooms. Um, this was a big, a huge uh, bedroom on the 70s house that we remodeled. And when we got into it, we realized that the roof framing was very inadequate. Uh, so we had to beef up the roof framing. And I said, well, since we're beefing up the roof framing, let's... Uh, take advantage of some of that unused attic space and let's create a, a ceiling coffer, a tray. Um, and then we did some LED tape uplighting there that's on a dimmer and uh, several strategically placed uh, down lights. So that's a really nice uh, way to light a bedroom because you don't want too many lights and you certainly don't want lights in your eyes uh, in a bedroom. No. Uh, and this is, I think it's the last case study I want to share with you. This, this I did this year for a friend of mine who's an architect. Um, and he had track lighting and some big honking down lighting in certain places. We got rid of all that and did small um, adjustable um, down lights. And these actually were sort of the, the kind of uh, disc lights that I hate. But in this application, they were perfect because all I'm trying to do is shine light about three feet away and hit the art on the walls. Um, so all these lights are against the, uh, you know, within two feet of the wall, except you notice this, the, the couch before and after we added a down light over the couch. And that is not one of those disc light. It's, it's a true down light oh. so that they can read while they're sitting on the couch. And I have a view looking the other way here. 
Oh, yeah. See the difference that made. We also added, I think, one extra can in the the, uh, hallway, which made a big difference. And then another view is just a stairway. And it's one, basically one light to light that art piece on the left. But it also put a tremendous amount more light down on this stair, which is a very important thing for safety. Because next to bathrooms, uh, stairways are the the place where most people fall when they fall on a house. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. That is great. And you can just, that picture really does emphasize from the very beginning of that lighting on that stairway. Yeah. And you can see them steps. And we yeah. do a lot of construction trip and falls or our expert witnessing for just oh. uh, people hurting themselves. And of yes. course, you know, you can't sue somebody because they don't have the proper light, but on the same token, this is something for businesses to be thinking about because they. Well, be I mean, sued. you 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 could sue somebody if if it's a commercial job because there are standards for for light on stairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the topics I've been working. I'm on a technical committee for the Illuminating Engineering Society, and we've been talking about changing the standards on lights uh, on stairs, exit stairs in particular. Oh, I'd love to do a show on that sometime. The uh, but you know equally important is to have a good solid continuous handrail, and and I prefer to do two, particularly if it's a home for seniors. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you you can't protect people from themselves, and if someone is uh, uh, maybe dizzy from uh, drugs or drinking or something like that, uh, there's nothing you can do to prevent the fall. But uh, you do everything you can to make it safer for them. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and and I think, you know, what I want to end up with is that lighting is both an art and a science. It's not one or the other. I mean, some people, uh, particularly some people who teach lighting, it's all about the science and then running the numbers and doing the calcs. Um, and the opposite end of the, the spectrum, you have designers who say, I you know, I don't need to calc it. I just know what looks right. Um, but I really want to encourage people to be their own lighting designer and that's really by, uh, you know, being your own guinea pig and just trying things and see what works. And, and especially if, if you're a designer, I'd, I'd like you to experiment on your own home so that you know what you're talking about when you go out to a client's house. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And that is pretty much all I got for you, Trey. I, well, any questions come up as, as we talked about this? Well, I got some questions, but the, I think the first and the biggest one is because we're going to really blast this show. It's something that it's been – I've been – I mean, for the last – well, I've only been in the building industry for about 45 years, but it's been something that's always been brought to our attention and when we, especially when we started getting this can lights and it just seemed like nobody had any answers to it. We was just guessing and we would sometimes go super stupid crazy with the cans or sometimes we would sparingly or put them in the wrong spots. And, and they just never know. And this is the first time that I've ever been able to talk to somebody uh, to get uh, to that, that can teach us. And it's just you said it's a science. Absolutely. It's a science. But Wow. In my world, yeah, it's, and, it's and, a and work Troy, of art. It's beautiful what you do with the lighting. There's, there's definitely art in it. But the problem with a lot of lighting design is a lot of it came out of commercial. And commercial will say we need 30-foot candles on every square foot of the space minimum, right? So they end up with a grid of, of uh, fluorescent lights or downlights. You know, so your ceiling looks like Swiss cheese. 
but you don't need the same illumination everywhere. Um, you need it where you're doing the work or where you're sitting. Uh, you need it to light the walls. Um, it, it, so often when you design uh, your lighting properly, you're using way less lights than you would have otherwise under the old uh, rules of thumb. Well, now, now this, this, is a great, this is your email address. This is a great way for people to reach out to sure. you and ask you questions. And Absolutely. And, uh, oh, that's fabulous. And, uh, and would you please share with us real quick before we wrap this up uh, how uh, uh, you said – I think I heard you say that you have other uh, publications and you also have newsletters or something or different ways that well, we can stay uh, involved in the – Yeah, mainly articles. Um, I've written 12 or 15 for – ProRemodeler.com, Pro Remodeling Magazine. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, you look up there, you'll, you'll find articles going back to 2015. Uh, that's primarily uh, where I've been published. Uh, I'm trying to write some for some other publications right now because we need to get the word out uh, uh, more widely. It, I'll tell you when, you, when you Google kitchen lighting or how to lay out kitchen lighting, you're going to get some absolutely wrong uh, plans of how to lay out the lighting. It, it's appalling. And uh, and this is what I'm trying to fight is uh, the lights have to be where you're doing the work. They can't be out in the middle of the room. And for the past 30 years, they've been teaching the lights shouldn't be anywhere near the upper cabinets because they'll create hot spots on the upper cabinets. Well, that's so what? I mean, you've you've paid you know fifty, seventy thousand dollars for those cabinets. You'd be nice to see them, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and particularly to see the work that you're doing on the countertop. And you can't do it unless the light is directly overhead. I mean, it's it's such uh, common sense. Every time I describe to people this concept who are, are not in the industry or something, they say, "Well, of course, you know, it makes perfect sense." But uh, you know, I I still see articles out there that. Uh, and and pictures of, of kitchens where lights are floating all over the space, any any place except where they need to be. Now, how you said you, you like to teach more of it. How can somebody get uh, other than reading your publications? Is there other opportunities for us to uh, to follow what you're teaching? Or is any? Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I teach probably at least once a month uh, somewhere. Uh, this obviously is what I'm doing this month, but. Uh, I teach a lot for the uh, uh, National Kitchen and Bath Association and KBA. Um, I do at least one webinar each May for them on lighting, um, and those are free. Um, I teach at their conference down in Vegas this year in February, um, and I give programs to different chapters. I'm teaching one up in uh, uh, Seattle in October. Um, but webinars are a good way to to catch me. If you look on my website, which is DougWalterArchitects.com, um, I've got a list of upcoming uh, speaking engagements. And awesome, great. Some of them you might be able to uh, attend. And if, if it's a webinar, that's uh, I might be able to get a free invite to the person who writes me. Happy to do so. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I am going to uh, just blast this because I just feel like this is one. This is. This is a, one of the great best shows that we've had because it's information that's just so hard to find. And I want to thank everybody from St. Louis out here that we've recommended us uh, from uh, other architects to the, the ladies that was on the last show, uh, Joy Construction, I believe, and uh, they, they 
awesome. They're the ones that recommended that they heard you right. speak. And so I want to thank them for what they've done and helping us. And, and thank you so much, Doug. You, this is I'm just like a kid in a candy store. If we did, if we had more time, I would pester you all the rest of the afternoon. Well, <laughs> so, Troy, so, I, I want you to promise me to put a light meter app on your phone. Oh, it's going to be. I, I'm not even going to hardly get out of here. I bet you, Joey, my producer, he'll be putting one on too. And I want you to measure your own kitchen, just several spots around your kitchen, and then send me an email and tell me uh, what you register. Because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a low number. I've got a client right now where I've got five foot candles on her countertop. Oh, We're going to fix that. I got a feeling mine's even worse than that because this because uh, our house is, uh, well, it was just, the lighting was poorly designed. And, uh, you know, and I, I was part of the problem. I, I didn't know any better. The architect didn't know any better. And uh, so we just kind of used old hat and it's it's sad. But I will definitely Well, I mean, the sim- it, it, I'm all about ideas that you can implement and, and real world solutions. And, you know, you may be able to just change out the bulb. I changed out. You saw that one, the first case study I showed you, where I got 10 times the delivered light out of the, the PAR 30s than I was getting out of the BR 30s. Uh, I did another one like that where I, I got 20 times the light. They, they had just bought some new LED uh, BR 30s. He was very proud of that. And I said, it looks kind of muddy over there. I measured it, and he, he had, I think, 12 foot candles. And I went out to my car, and I got some uh, PAR 30, uh, and I was getting something like uh, 200 foot candles. I mean, just unbelievable difference. Wow, that's really great. Well, thank you so much, Doug. You're quite welcome, Troy. I so much appreciate this, and uh, I've been telling everybody about it, so this show's been, a lot of people are waiting for it to come out. So as soon as it does, we're going to be blasting it, and you're liable to get pestered, so uh, forgive us for that, but we thank you very much for helping us. This oh, you're quite welcome, Troy. It's been my pleasure. Yes, sir. Well, you have a blessed day, and thank you. And uh, we will try to do another show upon new okay. information. Look forward to it. All right. Thank you, sir. Take care. Sponsored by Troy Galloway and Galloway Building Services. GallowayBuildingServices.com. dot